Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 155, The Harm of Perfectionism with Corey Williams. Ooh, I am so excited for today's podcast. I am joined here live with my amazing neighbor and DEI consultant, Corey Williams. Say hi, Corey. Hey, everybody. And we are talking about something kind of edgy, and it might make you feel uncomfortable. So (laughs) buckle up, put your (laughs) headphones on, maybe grab a notebook if you're not moving. And we're going to talk about perfectionism and sort of like where it stems from. We're going to get into grammar, the language that we use. I've talked about this many times on the podcast about swearing and not editing yourself. I have a really good podcast on policing people and how to stop policing people. So we're going to get a little bit more specific in this episode on some of those topics. But um, something that's been coming up more recently for me is that, you know, people like to comment on my grammar. (laughs) And I, you know, I send emails and um, write Facebook posts and Instagram things. And there's always one one or two of you out there, you know who you are, who might send me an email and say, Angela, you misspelled this, or it should be there instead of there, referring to they are instead of T-H-E-I-R or something, right? And and so, you know, I just want to talk about that and kind of like the origins of why we think we need to tell other people when we see errors and things like that. So before we get into that, though, Corey, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, thanks. Well, I am most importantly Angela's neighbor, <laughs> <laughs> which means we actually get to have great talks like this all the time on the porch and over coffee. And that's a blessing to me. Um, I have four kids right down the road and they're teenagers and I spend a lot of my time navigating life as mother of teenagers and the rest of my time I spend as a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant and I work with organizations and individuals to create cultures of belonging and to learn to connect across identity differences. So I do everything from talk about um, gender and sexuality with people to size, fat phobia ableism, racism. People love to sit next to me at dinner parties. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, we were just talking about ableism, right? And I'm, you guys might not even have an opportunity for this, but I'm planning a sober adventure retreat. And I'm like, but I don't want to say you have to have these physical attributes to join us on this physical, you know, trip and challenge ourselves. And so she's got me thinking in all different ways to so more to come on that, but let's talk about, so you posted an article on your Facebook page that was about grammar policing mm-hmm. and how our grammar, our English language being living here, um, was, was formed in a sort of institutionalized patriarchal way. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, so essentially, um, Language is about communication, first and foremost, our ability to connect with one another, share ideas. So the goal, ideally, is do you understand the content, right? Like that's the fundamental goal. But the printing press was restricted 
education was restricted over time. And so it became a way that we could control bodies, that those in power could control bodies. In fact, women were illiterate, right, for a large um, portion of history. And that was intentional, right? That is, uh, why do dresses not have pockets? Well, mm. women don't need to have anything. <laughs> right. There are all of these very subtle ways in which hierarchies are reinforced, and one of those is language. When the slave codes were passed in um, the American colonies, for example, it was immediately something that was outlawed. You could not legally teach an enslaved person to read and write. Well, lo and behold, black folks in this country still have lower rates of literacy. It's not a surprise, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that was a part of bodily control as part of the chattel slavery system. I think one of the things we don't think about, even especially those of us who consider ourselves feminists um, or, or, you know, just interested in equality, is we don't think about the ways in which we are upholding those. Mm. When we're correcting other people's grammar, when we're telling them how they have to be in certain spaces, mm -hmm. we're really participating in those hierarchies and enforcing those hierarchies. Yeah, and I think that's like, for me, I'm still learning. I know that, and I just want to mention that too to the listeners, is like, you know, we're not bad for not seeing this yet, but like part of my job is to educate you. And I think to like kind of get back to the point of why I wanted to have this podcast is when you are policing other people or you're commenting, oh, you spelled that wrong or you missed the point, like you've missed the communication or the education that you could have received and changed your life. So when I send out an email that says 500 less drinks, right, that my clients have had in one week and what, what, what it should have been? 500 fewer. 500 fewer, <laughs> right? This isn't how I talk, by the way. <laughs> so I came from a lower middle class family who did not go to college, right? And so I grew up talking in this very blue collar type community. So my language, how I speak is different than maybe somebody from the East Coast Ivy League, right? Like my, my, my husband's family grew up, you know, in New Jersey. Dad was a physician. Mom went to Ivy League schools too. Like they were all educated. And so they're so much more into the grammar than I am. Doesn't mean anything though, right? Like it's like, let's talk about, wait, so let me get back to that, this, this point before we talk about the cultural stuff. But when you spend your time and energy telling other people that they're doing it wrong, you are missing out on your life. You're missing out on that education. You are it feels bad to judge other people, even though in the moment you might make you feel better, like you know something better than them, you might get a little ego boost from that. You are actually missing out on way more valuable information for your life that you could be open to learning and applying to your life to make your life better personally, have deeper relationships with people and to understand other cultures and systems, right? Like other ways of being. So let's just kind of go into that. So like talk about language in like the south or like i was talking about upper east like talk about that a little bit yeah yeah i mean we we are socialized into language right mm -hmm. we're, when we're born we are taught language by those around us and we are implicitly taught how not to speak right like yeah we see those things reinforced through our socialization and depending on where we lived where we grew up we may have certain expectations about the way things are said i grew up in alabama um, a lot of people associate a Southern accent with uh, ignorance. Mm. In fact, you know, there's as many smart people in the South as everywhere else right. and educated people. And then I went to Harvard and 
everybody, you know, is packed the can, haven't yet. Mm -hmm. But that was like the, the Southie, the like grew up in Boston accent. Then you have the other Ivy League educated accent. You know, my dad went to um, Stanford and gave me a dictionary for my fifth birthday. So mm -hmm. I grew up heavily invested in these systems. And as somebody who loved to read and loved to write, felt a real attachment to words mm. and to literature. It really took a lot of time to realize that um, breaking those rules could have as much power as enforcing them. Mm. And when we look at some of the most interesting poets and intellectuals, somebody like E. e. Cummings, who breaks all the punctuation, capitalization mm. rules, but do we get the point? Yeah. yeah, we get it in really deep and meaningful mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. So a more curious approach, an approach that's valuing the person. You know, I, um, I learn about myself every single day and I try to really notice, and a lot of this comes from you, notice my thoughts mm -hmm. and not critique them, mm -hmm. just notice them and sit with them for a minute. Mm -hmm. As DI consultant, that's hard because <laughs> I have as many junky thoughts as everyone else. I just probably spend a lot more time thinking about them. So I'm like, oh, I just had a really ableist thought there. You mm -hmm. know, It's a natural part of how we've evolved as a species yeah. to have in-groups and out-groups. Yeah. But we're capable of higher order thought. We're capable of like these really amazing transformative connections with people. If we distance ourselves, if we shake up those, um, those ordered ideas of hierarchy, if we just get really curious. Why do I think that? Yeah, I love that question because I there's a whole month inside my coaching program on your belief systems. And so just to kind of like go back, why do we think this way? Because we were taught to think this way. It Like going back to our culture, how we were raised, our family systems. You know, like right now I've got three little kids. And if Arlo says, um, you know some sort of like improper verbiage tense, we correct him, right? So because we do want Arlo to grow up with like speaking in this sort of culture and educated sounding way. Mm -hmm. Like we have this fear if we don't do this, that we're going to be thought less of, right? That we're not going to be as smart or as educated as the other people. And we understand what the impact of that is. It means that you won't make as much money, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, really like that's the biggest fear is like you won't be seen in a certain way in our society, mm -hmm. right? And that is like the biggest fear that we all have. And if you can understand where that comes from and like give yourself grace about it, but also know that you don't have to follow those rules anymore. Yeah. You get to decide how you want to talk. You don't have to edit yourself, right? Now, I'm not talking, this is the other topic I want to talk about. When you are in a paid position, like professionally, I was in advertising for a long time. So if you're creating a commercial for a client or a print ad, now you want to probably make sure that the spelling is correct, right? Well, that's normative. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's normative, <laughs> right? Like that's what we've been taught that we should do. But like to Corey's point, you're going to get the point across if you're open to it. Unfortunately, our society would be too distracted by a spelling error to get what the point of that message is at this point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There's some things that like we can look at that people's brains fill in the mm -hmm. answers on. Like you've probably seen some of these like online quizzes where you have to kind of, you're navigating things that are misspelled, but you don't, your brain doesn't automatically um, see them. I think your point about like Arlo saying something is really interesting because when we conform to these systems, mm -hmm. some of what we do to our kids, we're stifling creativity. Mm -hmm. We're not acknowledging and naming how amazing new thoughts can be. Mm -hmm. We're not being curious. And we can mitigate some of that. Like mm -hmm. we can say, hey, 
I want to ask you about that word you just came up with. That's unbelievable. Let's, where did that come from for you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, oh, it sounded like morning or it sounded like something, mm-hmm. right? Sun mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, then you can say, well, here's how generally we all communicate and we use this word, but that word you created was awesome. Yeah. You know? I love that. Because language evolves. Language yeah. changes. But it evolves and changes in ways that make the people who have resources and power comfortable. Yes. So yes. some people are being privileged by language and some people are being harmed by this grammar police yeah. correcting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But getting back to like understanding why you might be policing somebody on their grammar, and it's, it, it starts from when we we're kids, right? And how you're raised. And it's okay. <laughs> But you get to challenge that now as a, like a free thinking adult and how you do that. It makes sense. Like if you were like told, like Arlo was like when all three kids are coming out, that's not the right way. Like you're <laughs> that, that you adapt that belief that right. that was wrong and that you have to speak it this way. Otherwise you're, you're not in the group, right? Like you're not in the clan anymore. Right. And like you're different. Right. So it makes sense to why you want to abide by these systems and rules and ways of being right because it's easier to navigate in our society but it doesn't mean that it's right and doesn't mean that we shouldn't challenge them and i think really importantly there's no morality associated yes. with language like God. i mean like there's one word is not better than another word i mean except to the extent like you're able to communicate an idea but if you know lots of you know seven syllable words <laughs> does it make you a more important person and I think, in fact, sometimes we can, unfortunately, sort of punch down yeah. when it comes to language. We use it as a way to sort of make ourselves feel better. And that's like, it's a very fundamental basic instinct. And it's kind of the junior high parts of ourselves. Totally. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, I always felt intimidated. And I tell this to my husband all the time. I am not good at movie, like actor names, movie titles, band names, you know, the the titles of the songs, you know, like I love the Grateful Dead. I, I mean, I've been to a concert. I've listened to the music. Prince, I, like I love this music, but I probably could only name four or five songs. And and I hate it when people are like, well, what's your favorite song title? What's your favorite movie? And I'm like, I can't recall that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I choose not to try to memorize it all so I can appear like I know all that stuff. And I feel like that's kind of like the same thing, but it's an, I feel less than mm-hmm. when that happens. Yeah. Right. Or if like I use the wrong language or I don't know how, what word to use in a conversation and I fumble over that. I understand, like, I feel that even if people don't say it, but somebody like Pete who has a more, a more robust educational background or other colleagues or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think the other really interesting thing about that, Angela, and really interesting for the, for all of the folks who are talking about drinking and our feelings and, our trauma brain protects us. Mm. Our trauma brain um, doesn't let us go into spaces that we don't want to go into. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who's dealt with sexual assault and all sorts of other things in my life, I know that my brain is doing great work helping me forget, right? Mm-hmm. Because we need to function and move on. And so sometimes with that inability to access things, that like the not having the right word, mm-hmm. using the wrong word can be tied to trauma, which again, is tied to power, mm. right? Those people who are out of power are most frequently victims of trauma. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
What else do we need to talk about as far as like the languaging police or the grammar police? We've talked about different areas, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, Different cultures. You had a really good one earlier about like people that were living, was it in Scotland? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that we judge and don't judge Mm. are really interesting. So like, think about it this way. Like what if you're sitting down to watch a Netflix show and you're watching a Netflix show about black people in the inner city and maybe you're making judgments about the use of language and you're like, "Mm, I don't know, I don't... Like, I hear a lot of things like, oh, we're degrading the English language. We're destroying the English language. Now think about watching Bridget Jones' Diary Mm. and other ways that language is used differently. It's English still. It's a a dialect. it's It's a part of the English language. We attach judgments that have a lot to do with power and hierarchies to the ways dialects work. Mm-hmm. Um, when, if you're talking to a Spanish person, he goes, this is me wife, mm-hmm. right? Do you have a positive or negative association with that? Well, things that are tied to whiteness and European origins typically have a more positive ones mm-hmm. than those tied to indigeneity or black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to question those things and not assume that any difference in language is necessarily about degrading the language, about dumbing things down. I hear that a lot. Also, super ableist phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, just like getting curious. Why do I think that's bad? Why does that mm-hmm. word make me uncomfortable? Yes. What do I associate it with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the, the title of this podcast was The Harm of Perfectionism, mm-hmm. right? So like perfectionism is rooted in a system, right? Like what I was talking about Arlo and this fear of not being with the norm, right? What's the norm? And if you don't fit into that, there's a fear of you're not going to have access or have the same opportunities, right? And so I feel like that is rooted in this perfection. We have to do this this thing perfectly so that we can be accepted and keep climbing that like social hierarchical ladder. Is that yeah? Does that sound Ugh. right? It sounds, Ugh. It's, yeah, it sounds gross. When and you it's say it like so that. exhausting, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to think that we're always and listen. I was not aware of this shit probably two years ago, right? But like just learning about it, understanding my own thinking, challenging my own thinking, seeing how you react. One of the things that we weren't going to talk about was like signs to notice in yourself Mm -hmm. that might be like a little red flag, that you might be buying into the systems. And listen, we all are, whether you want to admit it or not, we are all buying into some systems. It's just the way humans operate. So please accept that. (laughs) But there are signs like if you want to start challenging some of your limiting beliefs or you want to stop grammar policing people or if you want to be open to the way other cultures or, you know, people in the United States, different regions and states operate, what are some signs that you can look for internally that might be like, ooh, this is a trigger? Yeah. I mean, so you've taught me to pay attention to the feelings in my body mm. and, and to really like be like, okay, you're feeling dizzy. You're feeling numb. Like mm-hmm. really the physical sensations. So I always sort of start there. But secondarily, I try to like, I try to ask myself why I associate things with meaning. So like, let's say you're walking through the office environment and you see someone who that's wearing a pair of pants and you immediately go to those don't fit that person isn't well groomed Mm. right like we make a lot of leaps about meaning Mm. that really don't have anything to do with meaning right Right. (laughs) we make all kinds of inferences about people based on what how they physically present Mm -hmm. but that's just a norm right like imagine angela if you had to have hair that looked like mine Mm 
you know how much work you would have to put into your hair to get it? Like, I have very curly hair and Angela would be spending all her time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all about what the norm is and trying mm -hmm. to conform to that norm. Where I think it shows up as perfectionism is when we, when we hold ourselves to that unattainable standard mm -hmm. of perfection and when we hold others, mm -hmm. right? Because that means we're always going to have a deficit mindset. We're not going to see all the capability and opportunity and great, um, you know, learning around us. Instead, we're going to see where we fell short. Mm -hmm. We're going to see where others fell short. We're going to see disappointment in ourselves, disappointment in others. And you know what that feels like? Shit. Crap. <laughs> it's like a big sack of shit. And what do we do when we have negative emotions that we don't know how to be with? We right? numb. We numb. We escape. We avoid. We, we isolate ourselves, right? You, this is, you should be this way. And if you're not, I can't be with you, right? Mm -hmm. That is like, you're missing out on so much in your life when you do that. And I'm not saying, again, that I don't do this stuff. For sure I do. Um, and it's all open to learning and evolving. But, yeah, yeah I think the like really good place if you work in an office environment in a professional workplace, which I hate that word, by the way, you know, like where did that even come from? And, like, who gets to define what mm. is professional or not, right? Like, seriously. Yes. A professional, that word, yeah. right, is arbitrary. Yeah. It's enforced irregularly. Some people are held to the standard and some people aren't. Mm -hmm. um, I think about, like, the differences in ways bodies are being policed mm -hmm. there. What is considered acceptable is often unnamed and unspoken. So some people are highly um, privileged and others are really harmed by that. Like, have you ever walked into a situation not knowing what the expectations were? I think mm -hmm. about Legally Blonde. Remember when she yes. walks into that costume party and yeah. she's dressed like a Playboy <laughs> bunny and no one else is in costume? Like, that's kind of what it is. Like, yeah. when, especially for people who are class migrants, people who are in new experiences, they often show up and don't have the same language and tools and they're looked upon as less than because mm -hmm. of that. Instead of just saying, this system over here has some arbitrary rules you got to learn. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's where we start is in your work environment, maybe in the schools, right? Like look at your little social dynamic that you have. And just when you start noticing other people that don't fit into your norms, into what you consider the right way, notice how you react to that. Notice what your thoughts are about that. Are you judging those people? Are you thinking, oh, that's incorrect. They should have done it this way. Those are all just really good signs to be like, okay, I'm probably playing into this sort of oppressive perfectionist system that is probably not going to serve me. I wonder if I could be wrong. I wonder <laughs> if it really doesn't matter that much. I wonder if I'm holding myself back by thinking this way. I just want to get curious. I think curiosity is is always helpful. And talk to somebody other than maybe somebody right in your immediate friend group about it too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like find make other connections where you can have like these very amazing, interesting conversations. Like, you know, Corey literally just 25 minutes ago challenged me on this adventure sober retreat that I'm leading in Hawaii. And I'm all in for it. You know, it kind of was just like, oh, adventure doesn't mean I, you are rock climbing and jumping off of cliffs <laughs> and, you know, trying to die. Like it could mean, <laughs> it could mean like an, a different kind of adventure, right? Like that's challenging in other non-physical type ways mm -hmm. or, I, or different physical yeah, ways. Yeah. 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 So good. So anything else you want to talk about? Now you challenge me on the regular though. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's good to be challenged by your friends. Like we don't grow unless we are able and capable of like having some 
sort of difficult to navigate conversations and being open to thinking about things differently. I think that's probably the core of everything with for me and like what I teach about stop, stopping over drinking is that you have to challenge your current thinking. Your current thinking has created the current results in your life. So if you're a perfectionist, if you're over drinking, if you're overeating, your thoughts are what is the root of all of that stuff, right, Corey? Like your friendships, your re- the quality of your relationships all comes back to how you are thinking about things. And the good news is that we can change our thoughts and you can change your belief systems no matter how hard it might seem if that's how you're raised, if you're 65 years old and you've been thinking the same thing your whole life, you can still decide to change your mind. Absolutely. And might I suggest having a friend that calls you on your bullshit? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to come over and you're getting out of the house right now for coffee, right? That's what you do. It's great. Yeah. So good. Anything else? How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do? Yeah. So you can find me at CoreyWilliams.com. I'm C-O-R-E-Y Williams.com. And um, we are the SARE Collective. That's the uh, my consulting group that does work for organizations. So if you find yourself trying to figure out how to connect with people across difference, um, we would love to help you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. This was fun. It was. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Corey. And y'all, if you want to take this work to a deeper level, if you notice that when you judge or are trying to be a perfectionist or policing other people and it makes you feel angst and you end up escaping or numbing or avoiding or limiting yourself in what you feel like could be a more interesting and exciting life, I would love to help you. So I'm actively accepting applications into the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living 2.0 coaching program. So I invite you to click through the link, watch the three videos, fill out the applications and submit it. And y'all, it's it'll be great. You'll get a great amount of support starting um, right away through most the first half of 2022. And I would love to have you. So consider joining. And then also, if you are not on my email list, you need to be. I have actually just redone my complete website at AngelaMesenic.com. So we'll include a link to go check that out. But go check out the new website. There's new pictures, new content. You can sign up to get my top three podcast episodes emailed to you. And then you'll be on my email list so that you can be the first to know of some of these amazing things that I'm going to be offering here, like my sober adventure retreat in Hawaii in June of 2022. There's only going to be about five or six spots available, and I don't want you all to miss out on that. So go over to AngelaMesenic.com, A-N-N-A-N-G-E-L-A. M-A-S-C-E-N-I-K.com. Check it out. Sign up to get those top three episodes emailed to you. And then you'll be in the note for some of these awesome offers and adventures that I'm going to be offering. I love you all. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.